Let's try giving him a call and hope the dog doesn't be a pain in the ass. Boo Boo, you got, I'm taking your collar off. So you at least can't do that. Hello. Welcome to episode two of Blythe Spirits. We did it. We got the first episode done. We got it out. The response was pretty good. I'm pretty happy with it. Um, the second episode is two days later than I wanted it to be, but that's that's kind of my thing. You know, I, I stress out about deadlines and then I blow past those deadlines and then there's no reason to stress about them anymore. They're just not there. So it comes out when it comes out. My heater just kicked on. It's so loud. This brings me to my next point, actually, because I just asked for your patience. Uh, this week, the audio quality is not going to be top notch. I generally have been recording the interviews by recording the Zoom audio and then having a separate mic for myself. And in some cases, for some reason, this hasn't worked. One or both recordings have been misbehaving a little bit. And I recorded a phone call for the first time this week. So that was very exciting. So if it's a little rough, forgive me. I did what I could to clean it up. Um, We'll just pretend it's spooky sound effects. Because it is full-on Halloween season. We've got two and a half weeks or so till the big day. Even though it's still a little unclear what Halloween is going to hold for everybody this year. It's not exactly a good year for big parties. The Halloween parade in the West Village is canceled. It's a little iffy, but... You can still enjoy. There have been houses in my neighborhood that have gone all out, even more than I usually see, with Halloween decorations. So I feel like people are still getting in the spirit, even though it's not going to culminate in all the fun craziness we all love. It's still there, and we can enjoy it in like quieter, more isolated ways, like spooky movies and this podcast. How about that? So couple weeks away and that leaves us plenty of time to fill your heads with spooky stories. We've got a few good ones this week. Uh, the stories this week are all from the same theater. That is the Kalita Humphreys Theater in Dallas, Texas. That's not usually the plan. I hadn't intended to have every episode focus around a specific location. It just worked out that I got enough stories about this theater that I could fill an entire episode. So we're going to do that. And before we get started, I want to say thank you to the person who helped this happen. So Alex Ross, who I know from the Book of Mormon, back when we had Broadway, was kind enough to put a shout out on his Facebook page asking for stories. And it says something about the reputation of this theater that he said, does anyone have any stories about the Kalita? Seemed like a dozen people knew exactly what he was talking about. And so many people had stories. So that was a great resource for me. Thank you, Alex. I really appreciate it. You're a gentleman and a scholar. Our first guest is Trey Burkhead, who is a Dallas area teacher who has a lot of experience in the Dallas theater community. He gives us a lot of background on the theater and some information about one of the spirits that haunts the theater. So let's take a listen. Nice to talk to you. How are you? I'm doing well. Sorry, the first time it rang like twice, and and I and I wasn't fast enough. Oh, that's okay. I actually was. I'm because I'm using this software that I'm not familiar with. I it confused me, and I thought that I hadn't called yet. So when I hit the button, it just hung up again. So. Oh, that's why. Okay. Yeah, because I'm a master of technology. That's all. 
As am I. <laughs> I'm learning so many, so many new things during this pandemic. You know, we have to. We have to, as as teachers, we've got to learn so many new things to I'm communicate. Sure. It's and thank been, you for giving attention to the to this particular theater. This is this theater in particular, the Kalita Humphreys Theater, uh, has course. meant it's so much to me. Yeah. I, as a kid, you know, when my aunt and uncle uh, worked there, I, you know, I, I would just have free reign because they were the big wigs there, and I could oh, just, sure. uh, you know, whenever they were busy, I could just climb over all over the place. If they knew that I climbed all the way to the very, very, very top, they would probably would have had oh. a heart attack. But but you know, I couldn't. I couldn't resist. Yeah, you have to. <laughs> You're there. It's a program. Yeah. I mean, my gosh. So, what were what ages were you? Were you there? Was it pretty much your entire childhood that you were just kind of there? No, no, no. I, I, my family came through Dallas from McAllen up on our way to visit oh, yeah. my grandparents in Missouri, and so uh, we would stop in Dallas on the way and spend the night. Okay. Or, 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 and, and then, um, my my aunt and uncle always had things going on, uh, 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 so I I I do remember finally stopping in on one of his rehearsals. He was a a playwright. Well, originally, okay. he was, originally he was an actor and a, and mm-hmm. a director. His name was Preston Jones. He he trained with Paul Baker, the um, mm-hmm. art, the original artistic director. And when he came to Dallas Theater Center is where he met my aunt. Uh, they okay. actually met on stage. Oh, they were, really? He, he was a replacement actor uh, in The Mad Woman of Chaillot, and my aunt was the lead. And oh. she, uh, so his first interp- his first impression of her was this crazy mad woman. But, uh, <laughs> <I'm sure. laughs> but they fell in love and Aww. eventually uh, got married. I, and then they... Um, they were just a, a a powerhouse, a power couple. She was assistant to Paul Baker, and uh, so she was the number two at the theater center. And she was an actress and a designer, and a director. Okay. And they just really um, collaborated well together. Mr. Baker asked my uncle to be in charge of the smaller experimental theater down in the basement of the Kalita. The it was called the Down Center Stage, and that's where they did all of their new works. But he wanted my uncle to find Texas plays in particular. So, so uh, my uncle was looking, and honestly, he just couldn't find any that really caught his his attention. So, mm-hmm. he decided to write his own based on his own experiences. And these two plays got such attention uh, at a at a play festival that Paul Baker had every year. Uh, mm-hmm. a, a new a New York agent came and. And she brought a a Broadway director, and mm-hmm. they um, they really really loved them. <clears throat> so my uncle was put to uh, producing a trilogy. Well, they were all on, they all made it. They were all on Broadway at the same time, mm-hmm. and it was called a Texas trilogy. This was in yeah. the mid seventies. Preston Jones became a they he became a, a national sensation before yeah. before getting to Broadway. Because they okay. were, the plays were a, a a huge hit in in New York City. I mean, in uh, Washington D.C. at the Kennedy Center. But the Broadway critics uh, said, "Well, you know, how can these plays get so much recognition, and we haven't even seen them yet on Broadway?" So they were ready for him, and he didn't get his. Yeah. He didn't get quite the uh, reviews in New York. So 
his oh, plays were only open. Yeah, so I think five weeks is, is the run. The run was only five weeks for oh, all wow. three uh, in repertory. Fred Gwynn played the Colonel, and then oh. uh, he played a. a Herman Munster in the Munsters, and Diane Ladd played Lou Anne Hampton Laverty Overlander. But when they were televised, well, when when the oldest living graduate was televised, Fred Gwynn didn't play the lead. It was uh, Henry Fonda. Oh wow! Yeah, it was a great cast. But unfortunately, yeah. something which is what we're getting to in 1979. <laughs> uh, 1979, my uncle collapsed. Um, in the bathroom oh, at his home, they had a small home, and uh, my aunt and uncle had a small home at the at the end of a street in Dallas Beverly Drive, and okay. they he collapsed in the in the um, in the restroom. He'd written six plays by that time, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, the other three had not gotten the attention that his first three had, and uh, he had just finished um, his last play, Remember, which I. Which is the rehearsal I got to sit in on as a as a thirteen okay. year old before just before he died, and so um, it was very unexpected. He had a uh, bleeding ulcer, oh. and uh, he was hospitalized. He he, I mean, he he didn't take care of himself. He was a he was quite a character. He he was the yeah. kind of guy that would would sneak out at it, when he was in a show. He was known to sneak out at intermission and run to the nearest bar and, and <laughs> okay. uh, put down a few. And come okay. back for the for the second act in time for curtain call, or you know whenever he was supposed to go on, sure. and where he would come in in the morning uh, after a lot of drinking, and uh, he'd have maybe box office duty, so okay. he'd have a hangover and hangover in the box office uh, while no. he was writing writing plays on his clipboard, <laughs> and uh, one time he just he just fell asleep on the and his elbow went against the the alarm bu- buzzer. Oh. Which uh, triggered triggered all the guys down in the shops that that they were that there must have been some kind of robbery or some problem in the box office. So they all oh, no. ran up with their uh, power equipment or I don't know what <laughs> to get ready to to defend to defend the theater. But really, oh, Preston no. had just he'd just <laughs> fallen asleep there in the box office. Oh sure. <laughs> so he, he yeah. was loved. He was he was much loved by everyone mm-hmm. at the at the theater, and it was a shock for the entire company, for everyone on staff. Yeah. Um, and uh, but Mr. Baker, Paul Baker, is the one that uh, told me a few years later when I had a chance to act in one of his his plays after he left the Dallas Theater Center. He he directed a his version of Hamlet, Hamlet ESP oh. down in Austin. Uh-huh. And I was l- lucky to be in it. And at that time, he and the play, you know, if you ever, if you know much about Hamlet, of course, I'm sure you do. Is you know the, the opening <laughs> is about the ghost, the ghost of Hamlet, right? Yeah. But Mr. Baker, Mr. Baker is very in tune to to ghosts, and okay. uh, he told me uh, that he that he had seen uh, Preston Jones' ghost, and uh, oh, wow. and I and it's been so long, I can't tell you exactly where but but mm. uh, uh that is one thing and i and i have heard over the years that some people believe that one of the ghosts that uh is still at the Khalid Humphreys theater is the ghost of my uncle Preston Jones when he died he um 
he was supposed to go on stage in a play called A Man for All Seasons, directed okay. by my aunt. They were all set, but uh, unfortunately, he died just before rehearsals were to start. My my aunt had to go on to to do her job, which was very difficult. Yeah. But Mr. Baker uh, stepped in to co-direct. Yeah, everyone felt the presence of Preston Jones in that building, uh, yeah. especially. Was, was that immediate? Like, did it happen pretty much right away that people started yeah. feeling him? Okay. Yeah, you know, I can't. I I don't know. I I I don't know about. The ghost, you know, I, I, I've never mm-hmm. in my life even I have never seen seen a ghost. I just don't, I just don't have that sixth sense. What can I say? No, I'm the same I, way. I feel like I, I love the stories. I love hearing about it, but I've never, never seen anything. One thing my aunt would always say about my uncle was that, and my aunt, her name was Mary Sue Jones, and she, mm-hmm. she, she went on to, uh, when Mr. Baker left the theater center, she, she took on the role of artistic director for a, a okay. short time and. Uh, they were they were co-artistic directors his last Mr. Baker's last year, and then when mm-hmm. he left, the, the board uh, asked her on as interim artistic director until they decided if they were going to keep her on or not, and they ended mm-hmm. up finding uh, Adrian Hall. But during that during that time, I I was starting to visit my aunt a lot more, and mm-hmm. I would come up and, and live with her in the summers. When she oh, nice. was the big wig, so basically I could climb all over the Kalita Humphreys Theater because my aunt was the big wig, <laughs> you know. Right. And uh, my uncle said many times he he wouldn't have been a successful playwright had it not been for my aunt right there behind him, you know, uh, supporting him. And sure. she and she would say about him that going forward he always had his eye on the past, something like that. He he always uh, he always kept in view the past so the past was very very much something that he he clung to so if if there is a ghost of preston jones at the Kalita humphreys theater that was a big part of his past yeah you know that was a that was a time when he was taken really taken seriously as a as an artist as a not only as a playwright but as a as an, an actor Mm-hmm. as a director, and then, of course, marrying the love of his life, Mary Sue. So if if there is a logic in why ghosts hang around, mm-hmm. um, that's what I what I would imagine is that he 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 values the past an awful lot. Yeah. And that's why his his plays are his last play was called Remember. It was all about a, a man coming to his it's very autobiographical. It's he's mm-hmm. returning to the town where he went to high school, where he grew up. He's uh, met with people from his past, and they're going over things from his past. So it's very much dealing with the choices you've made in your life, and reflecting okay. on them, and 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 confronting confronting them. When Preston's plays went to Broadway, still the only plays that have really come out of Dallas Theater Center and gone directly to Broadway were the three were a Texas trilogy by Preston Jones. That's something that stays in the, uh, stays in the, I guess the bio of Dallas theater center, yeah. the history. Absolutely. It's the, part of the lore. It's funny sure. as a kid, you know, uh, my, I, I, as a kid, I had the, the Broadway poster hanging in my, in my bedroom. Yeah. Uh, and I still, I still have it, you know, I have it framed on my wall here at home. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I, I remember as a kid thinking, he didn't go to Broadway. It says 44th street. That's not Broadway. It says West. <laughs> 
says west of Broadway. So I always tell kids, <laughs> my friends, he's off Broadway. He's off Broadway. That's great. I love it. <laughs> yeah, that's that's very much a, a an understanding that I think all of us had at one point. It was like, but the theaters aren't on Broadway. I don't understand how this could be a Broadway show. Yeah, but I inherited the table where he wrote his plays. I'm I'm oh, touching wow. it right now. He 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 and I. There's a photo of us, the two of us sitting at the table together, right right mm-hmm. by it. So I, he's probably haunting my apartment too. fantastic too bad too bad you don't have that special sense you get to visit with them a little more often i know right oh i can't even watch a ghost story a movie you know i can't even no and and i and i and i lived for a year in a house that the people told me that it was haunted and i and it was freaky living there just wondering if i was going to see my first ghost but i never did right so it's more about the anticipation that was scary than the than anything actually happening. Like anything in life, right? Yeah, of course. Of course. The anticipation is always worse. <laughs> so it's almost like the lingering effect from these stories that I like more than the idea yeah. that I experience them. Yeah, the the feeling yeah, that feeling, which is why I think people love knowing they're in a haunted building. It's just that that feeling they, they imagine in their minds that yes. seems to be there when you walk in. Now I, I mean, if those walls could talk at the Cleta Humphreys Theater, I tell you, um, yeah. one thing that I, I, I've i tried to do is uh, keep the history alive at the Kalita mm. by by producing uh, several readings I've had on the stage at the Kalita of plays that were once on the stage at the Kalita. So what I try to do is, is bring back some of the original cast members mm-hmm. and, and we gather to read the play we of course we, we practice ahead of time and, mm-hmm. and we've had usually between two and three hundred people come and and enjoy it it's been really a wonderful way to kind of go back in time to go back and and and, and imagine what the production was like and i always choose a play that was really successful all yeah. right well, thank you so much for speaking with me. I really appreciate all the information. Oh, good. Well, I hope something was helpful. Something in there, hopefully. Um, sorry, I'm not an eyewitness to a ghost, but. Um, oh, that's okay. I'm like glad. I said, neither am I. So it's <laughs> totally fine. <laughs> well, thank you very much, and I hope you continue to uh, continue to get through teaching. I know times are hard right now, but thanks for sticking it out. You know. Teaching hey, thanks, Virginia. I appreciate that. Okay, so that was Trey Burkhead. He had some incredible information about the Kalita Humphreys and about his uncle. And we spoke for a very long time. I'm sorry that I cut so much of what we talked about. If I have the opportunity, I may put up the entire interview because it was just really interesting information. It was things that I didn't know about someone who seemed incredibly interesting and genuinely talented. So... Thank you to Mr. Burkhead for that. We're next going to be speaking with Christy Vela, who is an actor and director in the Dallas theater community. And she has recently directed her first feature film, which I recently discovered online is an indie horror film. Crazy excited. She also has a podcast that is called Terror and Tacos. And it's delightful. I just downloaded the first episode and listened to it. And I got a big kick out of it. So... Well, not the first episode, my first episode. Anyway, let's hear from Christy about her experiences in the Kalita Humphreys Theater. 
Um, now I'm mostly direct. Um, I started out as an actor. Um, I've been in the DFW area for a long time and have worked everywhere, but this is home. And um, I, uh, I guess I don't know how re it, you know, the every, and now that time has no meaning, like yes. it all just kind of like flows together. Yes. But I have most recently been, um, I guess, focusing on my directing career. Okay. And so I am a director of plays and most recently directed my first feature film. Oh, and wow. Congratulations. Yeah. That's Thank exciting. You. It is. It's very exciting. We're in post-production right now. Okay. And, um, and yeah, that's, that's what I'm doing. But yeah, I'm looking forward to when we can just do anything. Yeah, so. that'd be nice, right? <laughs> so your stories are from the Kalita? Is that true? Yeah. Yes. Okay. From the Kalita Humphreys Theater, which is, uh, you know, it's a Frank, it's one of the last Frank Lloyd Wright buildings, um, that he design, designed. Um, it opened in 1959. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, it's in the middle of Dallas, um, kind of downtown. It's what we call uptown. So mm -hmm. It's a little north of downtown in the middle of a park um, and kind of hidden by forest. Mm -hmm. And it's like you, when, you, when you drive up the hill and you see the building, you go, oh, that's a Frank Lloyd Wright. Like there's no questioning. Yeah, I saw a picture uh, of it. I was looking at some info about it online. It's very distinctly. Yeah, it's, <laughs> right. there's not yeah. A, there is not a right angle yeah. in the building. The stairs are strange. Oh. Uh, yeah, the stairs are all strange all over the building. Okay. There are lots of like little nooks and crannies and dead ends oh, and wow. little hallways in the, in the basement um, mm -hmm. all over the place that are just weird. Like there's a little tiny room in the, in the, main restroom that of like the for the patrons in the lobby mm -hmm. which you have to go down a spiral staircase which in oh. and of itself is not perfectly spiral interesting um, it's beautiful it's a sure. beautiful building but um it's just weird and you go into the ladies restroom which is oddly shaped mm -hmm. and at the end of the hall there's a tiny door that's like half of an actual door huh uh, with a knob and everything, and you're like, well, okay, let me, I want to see, I'll bite. <laughs> yeah, I'll go yeah. see the door. And you open the door, and it's just like a little dirt, like eight by eight room that's like with a dirt floor. Oh, bizarre. That's it's so very, strange. It's very bizarre. And it's like, I don't, I changed my mind. Like, Why? I don't yeah, want I'm anymore. not interested anymore. Not interested anymore. How very much strange. renovation has the theater seen since it was built? Um, it has seen just one big chunk of renovation, which is the, the, what is the lobby is actually the new lobby, but it's been there for a while. Okay. Um, so what, where the lobby is, um, used to be a, like a drive, a drive up, right? So that okay. you could just drive up and get down and then you'd be at right there at the box office. Right. And it's been turned into a lobby and the, the, it's got glass doors and it, it very much follows the Frank Lloyd Wright design, um, but it's not original okay. to the building. Um, the other thing that's a really cool story about that is that Frank Lloyd Wright did not, he was clearly not a theater, theater <laughs> practitioner, not a sure. theater person because, so under the main building, 
the main performance space the, in the basement is the shop. Uh-huh. And um, the, the way to get scenic elements oh, no. <laughs> up into the stage are these two crazy spiral ramps. Oh my like, God. <laughs> Oh yes. no, that sounds and awful. So, it is awful. And they were like, I mean, they're cool sometimes, but sure. not to get scenery. No, that um, would really limit the size of the pieces you can work with at one time. Yeah, well, and, and they're huge. Yeah. And and so I guess they expected for, I don't know, for like ancient type workers to be oh. like pushing scenery <laughs> up a ramp with like wedges and right. all this. Um, Rolling it on logs up the... <laughs> Right. And because he was like, no elevators in the building. There there are no oh, elevators no. in Frank Lloyd Wright. There are no elevators. And so everyone was like, okay, no elevators, Frank. So he went away. He finished the building and went away. Yeah. And then secretly, secretly, the, the Dallas theater people were like, they're going to put in a freight elevator. So yes. they put in a freight elevator, stayed left on the ramp that covers that ramp. Nice. And, um, and then when he came back for like the big groundbreaking, they, they wouldn't let him go near <laughs> stage left so that he couldn't see, like they hid, they hid the Right, the right. Hysterical. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. So tell us, let's, let's hear a little bit about your story. What, what is it? Is it one story? Do you have, have you had several experiences in this theater? I've had, I've had two, two memorable experiences in the theater. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are lots of stories about the Kalita and it is my favorite theater in which to perform in Dallas. It just has like incredible energy. It's mm-hmm. just one of those old broad houses where you can like you walk in and you go, Oh, some shit went down in here. Uh, and it's, it's a lovely space. It's got beautiful acoustics. Um, it's beautiful and mm-hmm. the energy is great, but there, there are some creepy spaces in there. Okay. Um, so the first big story was one of the one of the first shows that I ever did at the Kalita um, was with a brand new acting company in, in the early two thousands, and uh, it was in the middle of winter, mm-hmm. and uh, it was a weird. I mean, I know you guys up in New York get like super real winter, but it was like a weird winter here in Dallas sure. because everything, it was like ice apocalypse. I mean, it was crazy. And that evening, almost on cue, like the, like the show was over and um, the, the parking lot iced over. The, the parking lot was completely iced over and the theater is built on a hill. Um, and if you are part, you can park down the hill, but walking down the hill is another matter. You can park up the hill um, and getting your car down the curvy hill is crazy. So a, a few people braved it. A few people were parked down the hill. So they just kind of left through the basement. Um, I was one of the unfortunate ones that was parked up the hill. And I just did not want to risk driving down the hill on ice. Um, I would have, I wouldn't be here talking to you right now, seriously. Um, and so it was me and uh, a student or two students from SMU who were in the show and two other company members, Liz Michael and Cedric Neal. And uh, they decided to, Cedric and Liz decided, well, we're just going to spend, we're going to sleep here. And I was like, oh, okay, I guess we'll sleep here. I'll sleep here too. And 
And so Cedric and Liz decided to sleep in the green room. And there's a tiny little, one of these weird rooms in the theater that's like adjacent to the main performance space called the Stecker Library. And back, yeah, back in the old days, it was like the, the fancy place where subscribers would go to have drinks. But ah. it's not, it wasn't that anymore. It was just a library. Um, and so I decided I'll go sleep in there because it's got couches and cushions and stuff like that. Perfect. So I went in there and it was really, really, it was freezing. It was so cold. It was so cold. And um, I said, I can't, I can't take it. So I got up and I took my little tiny patron blanket yeah. and walked into the house and thought, I will go sleep under the freaking ghost light. Like, yeah, I don't care. why not? And then I saw in the, in, the, in the house, there are these two like kind of loge areas on either side. And uh, you can move the chairs in, in those two spaces, those two little boxes. And so I said, I'm going to take that chair and I'm going to move it to the railing where there's like this one permanent glowy light. And I'm like, if I can get under this light, I will be warm. So I was like, all right, I'm taking my little blanket, super, super dark. The mm -hmm. only light on in the space was the ghost light. Um, so I'm in the dark in the house, going up these little stairs into the box. And I finally, I settle in and I put my feet up on a little ledge and I'm just kind of half asleep because in that amount of cold, you can't really no. sleep. I mean, I couldn't anyway. Yeah. And I was just trying to keep warm. And, um, you know, I was like almost there, eyes half open. And I heard someone come up the steps mm -hmm. and I thought it was the student who was sleeping in Stecker as well and was like was going where did you go like why did you leave me alone or whatever and I was like okay you know whatever and I'm sitting there and I hear I, I kind of hear like this I don't know it was like a it's like a rustling listen I'm mm -hmm. just telling you what happened sure of course and um and then it stopped right next to me and my eyes were half open and I thought it was a student. And I said, Hey, what's up? I'm sorry. I left you in there. Uh -huh. And as I, I, I turned a little bit and saw someone standing there in a blue, bluish dress, like enough. Oh, it, wow. it was kind of bluish. Mm. And, and as I opened my eyes, there was nothing there and it uh -huh. startled me so much that I li I literally fell out of my chair. Oh no. Like I, th I thought there was someone standing there and I got, and I fell out of my chair and looked up. Yeah. There was nothing there. Like I felt, I felt it. And I just kind of sat there in the dark for a little bit, kind oh, of wow. just trying to get my bearings again. Sure. And then like very quickly went back down to Stecker library. <laughs> decided you'd brave the cold yeah i'm just gonna <laughs> sleep in here where it's yeah. super 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 cold um so that's yeah that's one of the stories that's 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 so eerie because you're so very... you're so defenseless when you're just like you're just trying to be warm and sleepy mm -hmm. and it and it hit you on multiple senses too so like right you heard a it thing, did you saw a thing yeah and then like it was like what the hell um because I felt it like so close to me, like standing right next to me. I could mm. feel it. Yeah. And, and then there was nothing there. Then the other story, which I have 
man, we should have gotten Sally Vale, my, my colleague on this call too, because she can back me up on this. Um, <laughs> Sally Vale and I were doing Medea. Uh-huh. And we, that one was actually being performed in the basement. It was a really cool kind of environmental piece or whatever. So the audience was led into the basement and it was kind of strange, but we were still in the regular dressing rooms upstairs. And so the, the Kalita has like two dressing rooms on the first level and then four dressing rooms on the second level. And we were in one of the four um, on the second level, but it was a smallish cast. Um, for some reason, Sally and I arrived before wardrobe, which is super odd. Yes. Um, As somebody know, in wardrobe, I understand. Yeah, you know, that this was really, really odd. And I can't remember why, but we were there and we got someone to, we got the facilities guy to come and open the dressing room for us. And he did, he knows mm-hmm. us, so he, he did it. And we were just sitting in the dressing room, like just talking and not, in a hurry to get dressed because wardrobe wasn't even there yet. Right. Um, and the, the door to our dressing room was mostly closed. It, I, w- I wouldn't say that it was like, there, there is no like lock, me- there's not really a lock mechanism unless you lock it. It's just a swinging okay. door. Yeah. So there's like a deadbolt lock, but not like a clicking thing that happens when you close the door, if that makes sense. So it was just almost closed. And uh, we're sitting there talking and suddenly the door just swung open, like not slowly, yeah. not super fast. It just kind of like swung open, not all the, and, and it didn't hit the wall. It just kind of like swung mostly open. And Sally and I both kind of went, we stopped and looked and we looked at each other. And because we thought, oh, wardrobe's here. Like someone's here, right? There was no one down the hall. There was no talking. There was no movement in the other dressing rooms. And I just said, hello. I said, welcome. We're just here talking. Come on in, join Uh us. And it was very still for a little bit. And then the door swung closed again. Interesting. And we both just kind of looked at each other and we're like, all right, so here we are. And as far as I know, there aren't any kind of like issues of the floors not being level or sure. <laughs> anything like that. <laughs> and, you know, it kind of like when you say these things out loud or whatever, it kind of, it doesn't, I mean, there's, there's so much out there. Who knows, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. And I'm not. I'm not one to go out and go, it was a ghost. Right. But it was but odd. It was, but it was odd. It yeah. was strange. And I don't know. Yeah. I don't Who know knows? what it was. Who knows? Yeah. Maybe, maybe it was a ghost. It may I very have well no have idea. been. Well, yeah. and the, the, of course, the first thought would be wardrobe's finally here. Maybe somebody, I don't know. I know in my, even in my house, if I open a door somewhere, another door might right. shut suddenly or something. But then to have it just close again. Yes. And that like, that's what we thought. We thought yeah. oh, Jackie's here and she just opened the door because she probably heard us mm-hmm. and she's probably in the next dressing room, uh-huh. like doing something. Nothing. Interesting. Now, has anything yeah. ever led you to not want to be in certain parts? Like you didn't have any problem going back in the house or in that, in the dressing rooms? Like, no, not, not at all. And, uh, it, it, there's, 
that theater has a really, really good energy. Mm -hmm. And so even when something creepy like that happens, it may be startling or whatever, but I have never personally felt like, oh, there was, it was like malevolent or okay. whatever. Uh, not like when you go to like, say, like say if you go to New Orleans and there are some places in New yes, Orleans where- that have some go, energy. Oh, yeah. Like this feels weird or some, some places in Massachusetts feel that way too, where you're like, oh, this is really strange. Yeah. Uh, but no, the Kalita doesn't, not to me, I've never felt that there was anything um, mischievous or malevolent in, in that building. Yeah. That's nice. That kind of thing can really spice up, spice up a show if you're expecting, if you're on your, oh. on your toes expecting something might happen. I guess there are a lot of stories about other props going missing. Um, yeah. I believe there yeah. was a flying stool. I forget a flying something. Yes, it sounds like it's a good. Yeah, it's a good bunch it's, of. <laughs> it's the Kalita. Yeah, <laughs> excellent. I just love yeah because that was Alex's first thing. He didn't even say, "Does anybody have any scary stories?" It was, "Does anybody have any stories about the Kalita?" It was mm -hmm. very specific. So clearly, there's a reputation attached to it in that way. Yeah. So. Mm -hmm. Well, that's very exciting. Thank you so much for talking. I, oh, I, thank you for having me. Of course. I, I loved hearing your stories. Okay. Thank you so much to Christy Vela for those stories. Those were amazing. Our last guest for this episode is going to be Kathy O'Neill, who is a retired stage manager from the Dallas-Fort Worth area. And her story is great. It was actually witnessed by several people. So let's let's hear it. I was an equity stage manager till just last year, and then I retired last oh, year. Congrats. But um, thanks, because <laughs> <laughs> that ghost is really, really active. I mean, he's he's very pervasive in that area. So yeah, is it is it supposed to be one? Is it because it's clearly got a reputation? Is it supposed to be one ghost, or are there several? Does anybody has anybody really explored that? I think that the the story, the legend, kind of is it's supposed to be one. Okay. Uh, and it's supposed to be Frank Lloyd Wright, okay. who is the the famous architect. architect who, yeah, who did the building, which is a funky building. I yeah, mean, I got a little of that. It seems it seems like there's some yeah. real unique qualities <laughs> in it for a theater. Yeah. <laughs> and as a stage manager, it was just a pain in the ass to work in that yeah. building. I mean, it, it, the angles are weird. The stairs are all at an angle, yeah. and they're all real narrow. And oh. there's all these little step downs and everything. But, the first time we toured the building when we are the theater company I was stage managing for had switched to the Kalita. The first time we toured it, I just went, Oh my God, I'm what have I got I'm gonna be the first one to like break my leg in this building. Yeah. Oh, no. So um, it's kind of funky. But yeah, the legend is that it's him and that he haunts it because uh, he designed it without an elevator. But then we put an ele someone put an elevator in sure. decades before we got there, and he was angry about that. So the, that's the story, is that, that he's chose to haunt it because he doesn't like having that elevator. Well, he was very we had to have a way. Yeah, we had to have a way to get stuff out of the workshop. All it had was a ramp, and then some of those set pieces, you couldn't put up a ramp. So we built a lift, and that pissed him off, apparently. <laughs> Yeah, I heard there were like sp almost like curving, like spiral ramps to get up from the shop. That sounds like a terrible yep. idea. It was a horrible yeah. idea. <laughs> horrible. Well, he was he was and all I, about I the aesthetics, so you know. 
<laughs> it was all about the aesthetics. So he did not like the fact that we put a hydraulic lift on one side to move set pieces up and down. But. <laughs> Which is too bad because that's so practical. Ugh. I know, but yeah, he made his presence known. I mean, I've got so I've had several run-ins with Frank. I made it. I made it a point to not ever be in the Kalita alone. Ah. And it was it was just too much. But I know yeah. a lot of you know the producers and stuff who have been there alone. But I was just like, I can't. I cannot. Tell me, tell me your story now. Your story is from the Kalita, right? Yeah, it's from the Kalita. It's it's the the best. I mean, we've, I've got a bunch of little ones, but mm-hmm. this is absolutely the best one. And it was when we were doing Take Me Out. Um, and I looked up the year because they all read together now, but it was like 2012. We were doing Take Me Out and it was Tech Week. And uh, that show is about baseball, mm-hmm. baseball players. And so uh, the set was a locker room okay. and uh, up center was open, but on either side of up center angled towards the audience were sets of lockers that were supposed to be the players lockers and they were wooden and they were built up mm-hmm. uh, onto uh, there's a platform part at the bottom of them. Uh, and they had individual locker lights in the tops of each one. And on the platform on the bottom was a wooden stool that the players would take down oh, and okay. sit on to tie their shoes and put their cleats on and those kinds of things. And it was at what it was at a point in the play when all the stools were up on the platforms, which were I say, say were about three feet, mm-hmm. three feet high, two and a half or three feet high. And I was up in the booth as it was Tech Week and. So we were doing a, a scene in the locker room and all of a sudden the lights in all of the four lockers on the stage left side started blinking on and off, all of them. Oh, no. Not just one, right. but all of them. And we all just kind of froze. <laughs> and then one of the stools in one of the lockers literally flew to center stage and landed. Oh my God. And it was not like it was sitting on the edge of the platform and like fell over. It got right. you know, pretty set too close to the edge and fell. It was literally like someone had picked it up and thrown it. It scared the crap out of all of us. And there were like three actors on the stage and all they could do was stand there with their mouths open. Yeah. Oh my God. And every hair on my body up in the booth just stood on end. It was the freakiest thing I had ever seen in my life. Did it, did everything just stop then? Like nothing else? Everybody just stopped. And then the light, the light stopped flickering and we all just stood there and looked at that stool (laughs) for a little while. And finally, one of the actors went and picked it up. Okay. (laughs) Put it back where it was supposed to go. And we all just went, holy shit, what just happened? (laughs) So we had to talk about it for a minute and then we could finally get back into things. But oh my God, I'll never forget it because and then I and I had said that night when everybody was settled in for notes, I was like, well, if anyone ever doubted. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Pretty good confirmation. There was a ghost here. I mean, that was a real clear demonstration that yeah. we're not alone in this building. So but I, it remains the scariest thing I have ever eyewitnessed. I believe that. That's pretty brave of the actor that decided to approach it and put it back. Yeah, I can exactly. imagine everybody just being like, "Is it done? Are are, are you good? Okay." <laughs> oh my god! Touch it. <laughs> the rest of the run, the rest of the run went fine. We didn't have any other interference. Interesting. Which would, and then we were trying to figure out what would have made him upset about it. I mean, oh. there was a lot of nudity. I don't know how Frank felt about that. <laughs> There's a lot of nudity in that play. We had a lot of encounters with Frank when we were doing the producers. Oh, because yeah. We had I've seen all, some people mention yeah, that in that thread. 
I was the stage manager for that too. And we had a lot of problems with that throughout that run. I think we thought it was because Frank didn't like it that we had the Nazis in the building because we had all those dummies that were dressed as Nazis that do the little, you know, the follies thing. And they were stored in the basement and we bring them up on the elevator at intermission. And I, that was, everybody was like, oh, he just is upset because we have all the Nazis in here. But there a lot of stuff happened throughout the run of that one. And we just yeah. kind of had to go with it. Oh, wow. <laughs> so it's nothing, it doesn't sound like, aside from the stool being flung, it was nothing dangerous. That was nothing that was like physically threatening in any way. No. Uh, That's good. No. Just sort Thank of a confirmation that something was there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly yeah exactly it was it was just the craziest thing i'd ever seen mm-hmm. and everybody that was there it we were all just i don't know scarred by it or <laughs> <laughs> sure <laughs> all we have to do is mention take me out and everybody's like oh because <laughs> then you know before even skeptics could say oh well you know you just didn't you just didn't see because I had I had trouble with Frank a lot with him moving props ah. and so the people were always like oh well you just didn't see it the first time right. or you know it's like I looked exactly there yep. <laughs> it was not yeah. there and then he dropped it in my path so yeah that seems just kind of mischievous that seems like yeah it want to mess with yeah. you or something it's just annoying yes. yeah, yeah. <laughs> just annoying. you're trying to do your checklist yeah, that's and all- something's gone yeah that's a pain <laughs> I know, yeah, and it's not anywhere, and you start asking the last actor who had it, and they put it back where it belongs, yeah. and then suddenly you go backstage, and it's lying in the floor where you just walked. It's like, I know I would have seen that, yeah. yeah. So, but yeah, the flying stool, that was... That's pretty good. <laughs> that was not messing around. Wow. Okay, well, thank you very much for, for telling us your story. Sure. All right. I love that story. I can't imagine sitting in a group of people and seeing something just inexplicably fly across the stage. I don't know how that would, I can't really picture how you just continue (laughs) after that's happened. Um, So thank you for uh, that story, Kathy O'Neill. That was wonderful. And thank you to everybody for listening to this episode of Blythe Spirits. We'll be back with another one. Uh, And like I said, we'll be revisiting the Dallas-Fort Worth area theater scene. Uh, I think I have some other stories lined up there. I will try to be on time, theoretically, with the next episode. I was aiming for a Sunday release, but, you know, like I said, me and deadlines are not the best of friends. So, all right. We'll see you guys in the next episode. Bye.